And now, America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth, a nation that is still responding to the State of the Union address last night, to the answer from Governor of Arkansas, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and from the uh, brief two-minute uh, alternative about the real State of the Union, the contribution by John L. J. Trump, who wants to make America great again, as you may have heard, Though they've added an exclamation point to the slogan. I see that in most places, maybe even the caps that uh, are still for sale. There's um, a whole catalog of gifts for Valentine's Day that you can get uh, from Trump 2024. Uh, there are drinking glasses. There are coffee cups. There are vases. There are caps and T-shirts and sweatshirts. Everything for your Valentine's Day needs. There um, is also this, which is the President of the United States getting slammed by the fact checkers at the Washington Post. Now, I mentioned they're fact checkers at the Washington Post because Glenn Kessler, who heads that department over at the Post, is, I think, pretty fair and uh, open minded and ready to pounce with uh, several Pinocchios. Now, they don't give Pinocchios to speeches. They give Pinocchios to individual statements. But uh, this speech in particular had numerous misleading aspects to it, and uh, I think it's worth going into them in some detail so that uh, people who are going to be hearing this again and again and again and again if, as uh, expected, President Biden now uh, goes forward with his plan to pursue another term as president at age 80, and he would be 82 at the time he is elected, if he is elected again. So there are all kinds of health uh, events that could impact his plans, and no one should wish the president bad health uh, Least of all because, well, I'll mention two words, Kamala Harris. Uh, but in any event, uh, this is a, a, a few of the exaggerations and distortions that President Biden perpetrated last night. And one of the things at the very center of his pitch for continued service as our president was this. He said, I stand here tonight after we have created, with the help of many people in this room, 12 million new jobs, more jobs created in two years than any president has ever created in four presidents. That's misleading. He has no idea what might happen in the last two years of this term that could affect the final number. Uh, for instance, they... Uh, Kessler brings up that for President Trump, he had great numbers about job creation at the beginning of his term, but then toward the end of his term came COVID. And uh, obviously the, the numbers were terrible because there were millions and millions of people who were out of work because of the pandemic. He says, uh, that's why it's often misleading to measure job creation by presidential term, an artificial metric 
beloved by presidents and the public alike. Biden, with this statement, is also limiting the comparison to four-year terms over the course of both Bill Clinton's and Ronald Reagan's two-term presidencies, far more than 12 million jobs were created. So to claim that he was the most successful job creator in history doesn't, doesn't fly. He also said, uh, we've already created 800,000 good-paying manufacturing jobs, the fastest, fastest growth in 40 years. Um, Left unsaid, reports Glenn Kessler of the Washington Post, is that overall manufacturing jobs have sharply declined by a third since a peak that was reached in 1979, even as the number of available workers has climbed by nearly 60 percent. The the point about this is not that uh, Biden has had a terrible economic record, but that he has benefited enormously from the fact that he became president in the midst of a pandemic. And uh, as the pandemic began to recede, which is not something that uh, you can give exclusive credit by any means to Joe Biden for, uh, that uh, obviously economic figures began to improve. But here's something else Biden said. He said, for too many decades, we imported products and we exported jobs. Now, thanks to all we've done, we're exporting American products and creating American jobs. Uh, he writes, Glenn Kessler, Biden is being a bit slippery here because he's only telling half the story. Yes, experts are up which means more U.S. products are being shipped overseas, but that does not necessarily mean jobs are no longer being shipped overseas. Imports are also up. And the trade deficit, in other words, the fact that we import more than we export, is at an all-time record high. Uh, then, um, then this. We used to be number one in the world in infrastructure. We've sunk to 13th in the world. And he says Biden is citing rankings from World Economic Forum that cover 140 countries from all economic tiers. According to the 2019 rankings, Singapore had the best infrastructure and most competitive economy overall. While the United States placed second for its economy and, yes, 13th for infrastructure, the infrastructure ranking crumbles a bit when you look closely at it. And... The one, the countries with the best infrastructure are small countries like uh, Hong Kong, United Arab Emirates, Switzerland, uh, Spain, others. But uh, among the 10 geographically largest countries, including Canada, Australia, China, and Russia, the United States places first. The United States is also top among the 10 most populous countries and has risen about 10 spots since the 2000-2012, 2011-2012 WEF survey. And then there's this, and this is the most important aspect of this, because this is one of those themes that Democrats love to put forward, and the president did it very dramatically last night. He says it's not fair the idea that in 2020, 55 of the biggest companies in America, the Fortune 500, made $40 billion in profits and paid zero in federal income taxes. Zero. That's not fair. 
This is one of Biden's favorite statistics, writes the Washington Post. According to Fact Base, which tracks his statements, the president has used it in speeches or interviews more than 24 times since the last State of the Union address. It's not necessarily wrong, but there are some limitations. The number is not based on actual tax returns, but instead is an estimate of taxes paid uh, by on corporate reports. And the point about this is the overall distribution of IRS data, real IRS data. According to IRS data on the top 0.001%, 1,475 taxpayers with at least 77 million in adjusted gross income in 2020. The average tax rate was not zero, was 23.7%. The top 1% of taxpayers, income at least 548,000, made nearly 26%. Paid nearly 26%. So what do ordinary people make uh, who earn less than $100,000? We'll get to that coming up on the MedVet Show. Your daily dose of debate. I was listening to about 15 minutes of this uh, garbage that you were spewing out today, so I thought I'd call it. The Michael Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. news and there's good news in uh, contradiction to a point that um, uh, President Biden made and he made it again and again and again last night which is the idea that he got people to agree basically that the tax system is unfair the tax system is a mess but it is not unfair the way that he says it is where according to his description the wealthy people in the United States pay nothing or little or nothing or very small percentages in taxes, whereas he used the example of firefighters and school teachers are taxed uh, heavily. And that is simply not according to the data, is that the very wealthy taxpayers, people earning more than a half a million dollars a year, pay close to 25% of their total income in taxes. As for less wealthy Americans, writes Glenn Kessler in the Washington Post, um, they pay, even those who pay the lowest rate of 10% because of deductions, exemptions, and the like. According to the Tax Policy Center, about 60% of all tax returns are filed by those with income under $50,000. And about half of those, that's everybody who files who earns under fifty grand, they pay no income tax at all. A 22% paid an effective tax rate of less than 5%, and another 22% paid less than 10%. So what we're talking about is a situation where it is simply a myth to get people worked up over the fact that wealthy people, like most of the people in Congress, uh, pay nothing in income tax, while ordinary working Americans uh, pay a great deal. Ordinary working Americans do pay a great deal, but not if they're 
in that 60% who are earning less than $50,000. The the other thing that that President Biden said, and again, it's something he's going to emphasize on the campaign trail, is that uh, in the last two years, my administration cut the deficit by more than $1.7 trillion, the largest deficit reduction in American history. And the the one thing that Glenn Kessler says is going into detail about the twisted logic by which he comes up with the uh, cutting the uh, deficit. And w- if if he's cutting the deficit, why is the national debt continuing to go up uh, so dramatically? Uh, all told, Biden has increased the national debt about 850 billion more than it was originally projected and he's done that by the passage of these very uh expensive and very sweeping bills that he has introduced uh sarah huckabee sanders who came on uh actually she came on uh quite a while after uh president biden was through And this is one of those things that when they are planning these things, I think it would be very, very beneficial for the Republicans uh, in answering President Biden to have their voice, whoever that is going to be next time, uh, come on more quickly because there was very flattering footage that was broadcast on many of the networks of President Biden talking to people, congratulating him on his speech. He did what he does, which he stayed around and talked to members of the House and the Senate and other dignitaries who were there who were very much Biden fans. And he asked about their families and basically showed him to be an effective gland handing uh, politician, which he certainly is. Sarah Huckabee Sanders is also a um, a skilled politician, and generally, I think uh, she gave one of the least embarrassing uh, responses that uh, that 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 people have done. I mean, they've tried everything, and and again, uh, Governor McConnell of Virginia uh, actually also had a very good answer to uh, that he provided. I think it was to. President Obama, it may have been even to President Clinton, but then he got in trouble with accusations and stopped his rising star status in the Republican Party. Uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, after last night, she still uh, classifies as a rising star. This is the way she defined the dividing line in America between Republicans and Democrats, left and right. Uh, This is clip 13. The dividing line in America is no longer between right or left. The choice is between normal or crazy. It's time for a new generation of Republican leadership. Upon taking office just a few weeks ago, I signed executive orders to ban CRT, racism, and indoctrination in our schools. Eliminate the use of derogatory term Latinx in our government repealed COVID orders and said never again to authoritarian mandates and shutdowns. Americans want common sense from their leaders. But in Washington, the Biden administration is doubling down on crazy. President Biden inherited the fastest economic recovery on record. 
the most secure border in history, cheap, abundant, homegrown energy, fast rising wages, a rebuilt military, and a world that was stable and at peace. But over the last two years, Democrats destroyed it all. Okay, uh, obviously the exaggerations of the world being stable and at peace, uh, this after Vladimir Putin had already chopped off chunks of Ukraine and was in the midst of preparing his invasion uh, at, at a time when President Trump had already ordered the American evacuation in Afghanistan, which he ordered before Joe Biden executed it. And yes, he executed it badly. But uh, the idea that uh, the border was the most secure in history, uh, the, the numbers don't show that. The numbers don't show that. The, the numbers show that the one president who got no credit for it, but he actually reduced the flow of illegals uh, substantially was President Bush. Yeah, President George W. Bush. And, uh, okay, but what she did there was very clever. When she says the dividing line in America is no longer between right and left, the choice is between normal or crazy, what she is doing is taking part of Biden's appeal and turning it against him because part of Biden's appeal was getting America back to normal, whatever that means. But uh, he was supposed to be the candidate of normalcy. People even compared him to Warren G. Harding, who won a sweeping landslide, which Joe Biden didn't. But uh, Warren G. Harding won 60% of the vote with the slogan, Back to Normalcy. So is that one that Republicans can take back and should take back? And what about uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders implying that we need to turn the page from Donald Trump? We'll get to that and more coming up. The Michael Medved Show. Michael Medved show one of the difficulties uh, of anyone giving a response to the State of the Union address is uh, of course a speech like that has to be written in advance you can't just uh, extemporize and uh, wait until you hear the State of the Union addresses delivered by the president that's one of the reasons they, they treat State of the Union address texts as something of a secret because if you have the uh, the transcript of what the president is going to say beforehand, then you can tailor your response to the president uh, more specifically as something of a rebuttal. You can't do that here. And the difficulty is, and this is actually her hometown newspaper made the point, uh, Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders said the Arkansas Democrat Gazette offered a stark contrast to Biden's State of the Union address Tuesday evening, contending Democrats have failed to manage America's most pressing issues amid a left-wing culture war. While Biden used part of his address to urge Republicans and Democrats to work together in the split Congress, Sanders railed against the Biden administration while leaning into cultural issues that have ignited conservatives across the country. Well, yes, that's exactly what she did, and I think that gives an indication of what 
the Republicans are going to be pursuing as a uh, general strategy in uh, the races ahead. But um, what, what Sarah Huckabee Sanders indicated was not the opposite in, in many ways of what Joe Biden was saying. Joe Biden was saying, well, hold on, our inflation is going down, uh, employment is going up, people are getting raises right now. Uh, we had a, um, a, a dramatic drop in the number of illegal border crossings. It's dropped to the lowest level in two years, according to the Department of Homeland Security. In other words, Biden was full of good news, but given the fact that she is representing an opposition party that needs to uh, build on its very slender majority in the House, needs a couple of seats to take over the Senate, and wants very much to take over the presidency, uh, it's quite natural that she is going to make the point that freedom is under attack by the Biden administration. Here is uh, Governor Sanders, clip six. Or, pardon me, yes, clip, uh, clip five we should go to first. 100,000 Americans a year are now killed from drug overdoses, largely from fentanyl pouring across our southern border. Yet the Biden administration refuses to secure the border and save American lives. And after years of Democrat attacks on law enforcement and calls to defund the police, violent criminals roam free while law-abiding families live in fear. Beyond our border from Afghanistan to Ukraine, from North Korea to Iran, President Biden's weakness puts our nation and the world at risk. And the president's refusal to stand up to China, our most formidable adversary, is dangerous and unacceptable. President Biden is unwilling to defend our border, defend our skies, and defend our people. He is simply unfit to serve as commander-in-chief. Which is a fairly harsh bit of rhetoric, unfit to serve as commander-in-chief. And she is implying because the uh, they allowed the uh, the spy balloon to drift across the United States before waiting for it to get over water before shooting it down. Uh, she also indicated that freedom is under attack more generally, and uh, she had a very clear sense of who to blame for the bitter culture war that people have noted across the country in the United States recently. Listen. America is great because we are free. But today, our freedom is under attack. And the America we love is in danger. President Biden and the Democrats have failed you. And it's time for a change. A new generation of Republican leaders are stepping up not to be caretakers of the status quo, but to be change makers for the American people. We know not what the future holds, but we know who holds the future in his hands. And with God as our witness, we will show the world that America is still the place where freedom reigns and liberty will never die. Thank you. God bless you. And God bless America. 
And that was her conclusion, of course. And right before that conclusion, she slammed the Democrats for basically launching a culture war that Republicans did not start and never wanted to fight. Uh, listen, clip seven. And while you reap the consequences of their failures, the Biden administration seems more interested in woke fantasies than the hard reality Americans face every day. Most Americans simply want to live their lives in freedom and peace. But we are under attack in a left-wing culture war we didn't start and never wanted to fight. Every day we are told we must partake in their rituals, salute their flags, and worship their false idols. All while big government colludes with big tech to strip away the most American thing there is. Your freedom of speech. That's not normal. It's crazy. And it's wrong. Make no mistake. Republicans will not surrender this fight. We will lead with courage and do what's right, not what's politically correct or convenient. And she does indicate very directly, and this is one of those aspects of her talk that has attracted a great deal of attention, that she thinks it's important for Republicans to turn a new page, to turn over leadership of the party, and she mentioned it three times, to a new generation. Now, how, how does it work to turn it over to a new generation if uh, you are supporting, as she is presumably, uh, if she is, so she's supporting the 76-year-old former president uh, to return to office? And uh, th this is one of those questions that... Uh, it seems to me President Trump has not done a great job of answering, which is given the fact that most Americans think we're in on the wrong track. And uh, basically through his entire presidency, the majority of people thought we were on the wrong track. They still do. And uh, there may be a slight increase in the number of people who – uh, view America going the wrong way, at least according to some of the polls. But it's generally much deeper than than seems to be ready to be solved by moving to one side or the other. It is striking to me that uh, with so much attention lavished by the Democrats on the abortion issue in various states including states like Kansas, which uh, the, the Democrats won a, um, by defeating a uh, bill that uh, would have given the Kansas legislature more leeway in limiting access to abortion. The, um, the idea that uh, that wasn't mentioned at all by President Biden and really not mentioned except in a, in a general sense about uh, the Democrats forcing you to worship their false idols, that, that by Governor uh, Sanders. That, um, that leaves a lot of uh, leeway to see how that issue is going to play a role in the presidential campaign. And it almost surely will because of the Democratic insistence uh, we'll be talking, coming back, about another issue Democrats were at one time planning to exploit 
But now, a change of plans because of new science. Talking about the issue of pot coming up on the Medved Show. Your daily dose of debate. Give me more. The Michael Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, a uh, dramatic headline over at Politico. And the headline says, pot is making people sick. Congress is playing catch-up. And uh, why? What does that mean? And now that a growing body of evidence says marijuana is bad for you, more regulation is in the offing. Recently, a steady flow of data uh, has emerged on the health impacts of marijuana, including emphysema in smokers and learning delays in adolescents. Uh, particularly for adolescents, the use of marijuana does permanent brain damage. It takes IQ points away from the people who are regular users as teenagers. And that, by the way, is now accepted by medical authorities all around the world. It's, it's not sort of the crank stuff you used to hear about demon weed, partially because the marijuana that people are using today and is legal now in many states is vastly more dangerous than the old kind of pot that used to be popular back in the 60s. A recognition of marijuana's medical benefits, the harms of punitive drug policies, and the prospect of new tax revenue to fund popular services, writes Politico, have driven that change in attitudes for marijuana and led 21 states to legalize recreational sales. But the policymakers overseeing legalization were flying surprisingly blind about its impact on public health. Only recently has a steady flow of data emerged on health impacts, including emphysema in smokers and learning delays in adolescents. Lawmakers' reaction to the bad news raises the prospect that the loosely regulated marijuana marketplace were 13 0.2 billion last year and growing 15% annually could come under pressure. In other words, it's a great difference from saying that someone should go to jail for any use of marijuana and saying that we should have a national policy that is organized to try to discourage marijuana abuse and to discourage marijuana addiction which is a reality the idea of marijuana is not addictive alcohol is addictive but marijuana is not a yes it is the um earl blumenauer who is a congressman from oregon who is uh often referred to as the capitol hills unofficial cannabis czar said, one of the reasons I have fought so hard to be able to legalize, regulate, and tax is because I want to keep this out of the hands of young people. It has proven negative consequences for the developing mind. Good for you, Congressman Blumenauer, to recognize that. And again, part of what has happened here with the so many states legalizing marijuana is the idea that there wouldn't be an increase in problems associated uh, with cannabis, that there would be no association of uh, increased problems and in increased damage by legalization is simply not true. 
Anybody live near uh, a marijuana store or marijuana dispensary? Or, I mean, how, would you feel comfortable about having that kind of facility on your block? Uh, actually, we, we know people who have had that situation, have had uh, a pot uh, store uh, come nearby, and no, it does not bring uh, a, an entirely wholesome clientele. The uh, Congress people are now talking about standards on dosing, mandates for childproof containers for edibles, and advertising restrictions aimed at protecting children. They're also concerned about high-potency cannabis and its effects. Federal agencies are also taking action. The FDA recently rejected applications from companies making products out of cannabis who were seeking regulation under the loose standards governing dietary supplements. The agency said that the use of uh, cannabidiol, or CBD, an active ingredient of cannabis, poses safety risks and that Congress needs to bolster safeguards to mitigate risk. With a public opinion turning pro-legalization, 21 states have moved to permit marijuana's use for medical reasons or for recreation. A uh, 16 states, uh, an additional 16 states, allow medical marijuana only. But on the current trajectory tracked by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, this is a government agency, more Americans by 2030 will use marijuana than use tobacco products. Nearly 50 million people used weed in 2020, according to a national survey on drug use and health from uh, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. That is an increase of nearly 75% since 2009. Could it be that... Uh, some of the negative developments in the United States, including increases in crime, uh, difficulties of young people in school, and much more, could be related to this very, very dramatic increase in marijuana usage. Leanna Wen, who is a George Washington University public health professor, and a former Baltimore health commissioner said, we really have to slow down. We're getting so far ahead of where the research is. She's talking about slowing down in terms of the marijuana legalization. Marijuana legalization also coincides with a dramatic increase in driving while high, uh, which can have the same kind of negative effect, maybe not as immediately or as easily or as widely yet, as uh, uh, driving under the influence of alcohol. Meanwhile, even under the influence of alcohol, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, there is, or the influence of marijuana, uh, Jonah Hill has uh, helped to write and to star in a new movie uh, that's a sort of a, a stoner version of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Uh, listen, it's called You People. Now it's time for MedVed's Entertainment Minute. 
A Jewish goofball played by Jonah Hill wants to marry his black girlfriend, but he has to deal with some reservations from his mother, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and his prospective father-in-law, Eddie Murphy, in You People, now streaming on Netflix. So you want to marry my daughter? Yes. Yes, I do. Well, Ezra, you can try. We've built a pretty awesome life together. We just need to protect it. Well, they don't protect the audience from groan-inducing ethnic stereotypes where the conflict of cultures is supposed to be intensified by the fact that the Eddie Murphy character is a nation of Islam big shot and follower of Louis Farrakhan. There's no romantic chemistry between the two leads and prodigious use of the N-word by all characters isn't so much provocative as adolescent and offensive. Rated R for language and sex references one and a half stars for you people and uh the uh the idea that uh, people can watch this and savor it at home I, i'm not sure that uh use of uh, any cannabis related projects would help any more than the presence of a, a fairly gifted cast um, and eddie murphy does try to give some dignity at least to his stereotypical character all right, what about the sleeping giant now? We'll be speaking next time to Captain William J. Toady of the U.S. Navy, uh, talking about the fact that uh, we right now have a problem with people being able to serve in our military. A Pentagon study a couple of years ago indicates that 77% of Americans ages 17 to 24 can't qualify for military service because they are overweight. Uh, what do you do about this crisis? We will talk about it. And speaking of crises, there's a brand new poll that illustrates uh, one of the problems facing the GOP in particular ahead of 2024. Large numbers of Americans and an even larger percentage of Republicans want a strong, rough, and anti-democratic leader. Do we really want uh, somebody to represent either party with those characteristics? We will get to that. And uh, there is actually a study that suggests that uh, uh, there are no negative effect on registration or turnout overall for any group that is defined by race, gender, age, or party affiliation. What does that mean for the future of American politics? We will get to it all in this greatest nation on God's green earth. Hi, 